it's not like an intentional circle jerk or something, but everyone's watching the same scrambled softcore whatever and like Oh no, yeah. I had access to uh unscrambled full core. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am the host of the show. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I was in a coma, and now I want answers. And I'm asking my friend Colt Cabana about, I'm asking him the questions in this episode. Colt is a wrestler, a professional wrestler. He is a, He's an all-around entertainer and a very great guy. People say that about people, but Colt is a genuinely good dude who I have known as someone willing to share his knowledge and help other people who are trying to make things and do things themselves. And in addition to his Art of Wrestling podcast, Colt has also started a newish podcast called Wrestling Anonymous that he would love for you to listen to, where people call in with anonymous stories about wrestling, and he responds, it's great, so please go check that out. If you're listening to this episode, you almost certainly know who Colt is. I will get out of the way and get into the conversation very shortly. I just want to say, if you listen to the episode and you like the show, you can support it in one of three ways. Lowest effort, hit subscribe or follow in your app. Do it as soon as you finish listening or as soon as you decide you like the show. You can you can listen and press the button. Two, you can write a review of the show. The rating is great, but the review is even better to say one thing you like, one moment that was great, uh, sexual body compliments about me, even if you don't know what I look like, are all welcome in those reviews. And finally, you can subscribe to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Dave Marr helps keep this show going. You can get the full unedited conversation of each episode on that Patreon. You can hear the exclusive after show. This is your after show on Patreon. And you can also get shouted out on the podcast like my Pigeon Level subscribers, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, and Fred Fidoa. So thanks to them. Thanks to you for listening. And this is Colt Cabana. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like it's paint your hell. Like a hell custom designed to torture you. Oh. Well, I mean, joke hell. Right. It is like cats and uh, cats and kiwi, which I'm definitely allergic to. Okay, okay. So it's just like uh it's just all these cats and I'm itching my eyes and then like the only thing to eat. So if I want any kind of nutrition is Kiwi and then my throat's like exploding. And then I'm also on fire and drowning constantly at the same time. Right. Like these okay. are my fears, but uh, this is joke. This is like, ha 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 silly little thing. Yeah. that These would be the worst possible things, yeah. but my, I guess my picture of hell that I, I guess, which is 
it, which can take us all the way back to like, what is religion really? Like we're, you know, like we're like, they've just sold us on this thing and then we've all believed it. And now we passed it on to the next people. So cartoons have sold me, um, you know, or that movie with, um, uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, has sold me that it's like, Wait, what movie is that? Uh, he's, he's like a, a the devil or the witch. There's it's a, not like a witch. monkey bone. Is it? No, it's close to. They had a couple of ones that were very similar at one time, yeah. where the the British girl was a witch. I think uh, she was the devil. I want to call it. It was like it wasn't bewitched, but it was. It wasn't she devil with Roseanne Barr either. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I'll have to look it up and find it. Yeah, for people, we'll, we'll look it up. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's like I I I fall down through the ground. Uh, you know, as I die, uh, I, I go downwards. Uh, it's all red. There's fire. And um, it's I guess it's in my head. It's like prison a little bit. Uh, okay. There's this prison aspect of like, we're all now. now first of all, I obvi- not obviously I th- this is not something I believe in. But if uh, if, if, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if it was a thing, it would be a red prison. <laughs> with constant fire happening um we would you would get a tight shot of me behind like bars of some sort i like that there's a camera yes (laughs) and then we zoom out we zoom out to see like millions of these i'm i'm just one of of Mm. millions of little people style i never seen the matrix but yes Okay. Well, they're all plugged in in these little like pods and hives and and then it zooms out and everyone's just like like I think it's called a panopticon or maybe that's the opposite. Like a a jail that's around in a circle where it's like I mean they kind of look like the Robert Taylor homes or the uh well uh on the south side. Yeah, I mean which is it's just fun. It's just interesting because sometimes I'll like I'll either be on I remember being in Japan or sometimes in Chicago and you look out your window and you see people in their apartments mm-hmm. and you're just like, you're one of like, that's a life of, you know, so many people on this earth. Like, what are we really, you know, like when you really right, look right, at right. it and yeah. it's like, I, I've had that thought on, on earth and I, but I also assume that's what's happening in hell, but it's like way worse. So is it, would, would one of these, the, the, the joke, I feel like, you're you're not describing the joke version and the serious version. You're describing the joke version and the cartoon version, with our, which are both kinds of joke versions. But but there it, is no real. What would a realistic? I, I guess I've never in depth thought about hell so much that like to me it's not it's so unreal. Sure. Oh, this, I'm just wondering this, which of those would actually torture you more. This the joke version from a or the cartoon wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I've never really thought. You would think most wrestlers would think of deeply about hell. I'm no, I'm just like this, this so unreal scenario of hell. Yeah. 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 Hell kayfabe or whatever. Now let me tell you how real pro wrestling is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but which sorry, of those would torture you more? The, the first one cats and kiwis or red prison. Oh, that, well, that's the name of my, my comedy band cats and kiwis. Um, <laughs> So that could torture nobody. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I in the same way I like fear burning to death or fear drowning to death. Like there's 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 a bigger and a big enough fear of just being downstairs in hot weather with like a devil looking at me uh, for eternity. I guess with with this mind that I have. 
Okay, so Red Prison would be would be a little more scary, even if the joke version is more physically uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's also the name of a movie I'm writing, Red Prison. Uh, <laughs> We're here just brainstorming ideas <laughs> for future Colt Cabana properties. Thank you. What do you hope happens when you die? This time, throw out what we've been handed, all the portrayals, whatever comes from religion. Just what do you honestly hope happens when you die? Well, I I mean, I just think it all, it's nothing. Sure. Does that freak you out at all? Nah, because I won't be aware of it. Okay. You know, like just light in my head, lights shut, just lights shut off. It all shuts off. Uh, what I hope. Yeah. It, it goes back to movies. It's like, I hope I float up in the sky. Uh, and I hope I'm able to look down on my loved ones and send them messages through, uh, AOL instant messenger. Um, <laughs> Send them, you know, through signs um, and not the awful uh, M. Light Shyamalan movie. Mm -hmm. I'm real movie heavy today on this podcast. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, No, but, you know, uh, it it all just comes from like, like, again, movies or cartoons or scenarios. Like, I I don't because... Cause I'm thinking of myself in my physical body, but that just doesn't seem realistic. Right. But I wonder if like that soul quote unquote, that's the, you know, we, I guess you can get really deep into it. It's like, are we even in a physical body? Like, you know, maybe something is just thinking this is physical or whatever Mm -hmm, it is, mm -hmm. but it's not even there. Like I, I believe in that a little bit. Like that could be a reality. We don't know who knows. Um, But yeah, to me, it's, I I think it's uh, my perfect, perfect would just be like, Floating upwards, having a six pack, um, just like <laughs> seeing all the famous cool people. It's like a VIP party and uh, it's the heaven that they tell us about. Well, it's interesting you're talking about so many mediated experiences because like if you're talking about the roots of religion, that, you know, whatever, I guess I would imagine that whatever their, their version of movies or cartoons would be whatever they heard in church or from the religious leader this is the thing this is what the book says this is what it's going to be and now we live in such a like non-religious society that are you know mostly it's like oh it's like the good place oh it's uh defending your life or something like that i don't know was it not before that's well, the good place to show, you know what I mean? Oh, oh it's like, I thought you meant, okay. I was like, oh, I'd like no. to be in a good place. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Just that it's, that's that it's, it's shows and movies and cartoons that are our Sunday sermons or whatever that are Yes, 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 the, yes. Defending your life was obviously like a, a first, like when you said of that, like that, and I, that's what that came up in my head. I remember seeing mm-hmm. that as a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be a perfect scenario for me. I think that would be my, I would love if that was the case. If you have but to like, justify. I know that's not realistic. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you are, if you are getting to look down on family members or, or we'll just say loved ones in general, is there a loved one you specifically are like checking in on a lot or looking out for, or wanting to send messages and guide? This is if I died tomorrow. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've, well, everyone. Yeah. There's no specific person for me. There's no specific person. You're like, I really got to look out for X, like young person I'm worried about, like, or something like that. I feel I, I would, I, I would be doing that now. And I'm, do, I think I'm doing that at right. the stage that I'm doing that that now. Yeah. Not a good question, Dave. Sorry. that's amazing i've had so many people tell me things are good questions i really appreciate getting knocked down the other way (laughs) so what okay what about if you were sending messages what mediums would you use to send the messages is it chalk on a chalkboard is it balloons is it water spewing out of a thought like what what's happening how are you doing that i don't know because if it was real we would just be like I would write something and be like, Hey, this is a cult from, uh, from upstairs. Right. right so it's right, not, right. um, let's say you can't use language. You only have to use oh, there you things go. the way they work. So you can't turn things into letters. Yeah. I was thinking that like, it, it would just be things to make people happy, I guess. So it would okay. be put, putting smiles on faces. So, uh, I don't even like the first thing would just be like nice weather or, like, um, like a nice snowy day with the sun out, um, you know, and like, and someone, and a loved one walking outside and just, um, you know, just like, uh, that arch in their face that brings it up. I feel it w- would be like my sign. So maybe I'm using weather of some sort, Okay, which I assume when we had snowpocalypse of Chicago, that was which my, point? all of them. Yeah. That's my arch enemies being like, fuck you. <laughs> right, right, right. Because that is a common thing of like people saying like, give me a sign. And how often is it like a rainbow or like the clouds parting or something like that? That feels like people could genuinely pick up those messages. Yeah. I mean, I've never said to myself, give me a sign. But boy, right. if a rainbow pops up, you're just like, your spirits get picked up. So like, no, no matter what you do, who doesn't get picked up a little bit from a, a, a nice rainbow. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. True. Or like I think of vacations and I think of just water, like the beach and just beauty and surroundings. And so, and again, I, you know, I don't say to myself, these are, these are signs from anybody, but my, I just get happy. Yeah. And so I would hope that that's, uh, you know, looking taking a step back from what you're doing here with this podcast, I would, you know, say to myself like, Oh, like, Oh, that would be nice if that was somebody looking from above making me happy. Yeah. Absolutely. And if I could do that to somebody else. Yeah. Are there people who you've had die, who you have ever felt anything close to presence from, or is your, the, the feeling of lights out is just too strong that you're like, don't even consider their presence as a possibility. God, well, it, it's 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 kind of interesting, but not like just this year alone. Like, so I I started going to uh, therapy, right? And congrats, thank you. Yeah, and tell like telling my therapist of all of these wrestler friends who have died. Right, right. My therapist is just like, whoa, that was heavy, and I'm just and a lot of me is just like. Oh, that's no, that's kind of like part of it a little bit, sadly. Um, so, but I always say to myself, like, no one like 
super close to me has died, uh, which is weird that I separate those worlds a little bit when, you know, one of my great friends, Brody Lee wrestler, you know, uh, this is the one, this is almost the one year anniversary of him passing at 40 years old, you know, uh, yeah. just, uh, whatever the best, you know, just the best dude, the best guy that was very close to him, but you know, I have this separation of wrestling and whatever. Um, so I say that in sense of like the people that are family or, f- or friends out of wrestling, my grandparents have passed away. Right. And yeah. I, it was their time. Like they were, they were grandparents age. Sure. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I would like my wrestling family. The the ones have a past. There's so much love from all of the wrestlers, in the wrestling community. There's so much of us that like, I don't know if Brody is going to send me a personal sign before he sends to his wife and his children. Okay. Right. Or my friend Daphne, who just passed, you know, I, I think she's got other, she's sending like immediate signs the way maybe my grand, my grandma or grandpa would, but I feel they had such an extended family that I'm not going to get that direct. Like, I really feel if it was my parents or my brother or, a, you know, or a partner, maybe I would get that sign or I'd be looking okay. for that sign. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. Because I don't know if someone's, I mean, if someone's passed away, we could, we don't have to put limits on their time. They don't have to be like, have, have us have a limited slice of slices of pie of only, you only get five signs to hand out this month. You know what I mean? It could be infinite. Or it could be a window. (laughs) Yeah, true. It could be just an actuarial sitting at a phone app game where like. You have to watch this video if you want another sign to send to a loved one. (laughs) Let's do funeral planning. Okay. This is a little, a little more concrete here. Less, less philosophical. Have you thought about it? What would you want at your funeral? People, refreshments, parts of the (laughs) ceremony, whatever, anything. Uh, Have you seen the video of the Irish guy who, who plays that audio from his grave? No. Okay. It's went viral a couple of times over the years. And it's like, picture like an outside uh, cemetery. And it's like, it is like six feet deep. Right. And down there, so they have, you know, so he obviously instructed somebody to put a speaker down there. And so there's everyone at the funeral and he's going like, Hey, Oh shit. Am I dead? You know, like I'm doing the worst Irish accent. Like, I don't even know what that was, but everyone is just like in such joy that this guy is pulling one last prank. You know, he's doing a bit on his deathbed and like, I, to me, you know, I don't want to steal his, his shtick, but like, it's, that's the best, you know, like, I think you're assuring everyone, uh, you know, that you're okay with this death. Like that's, mm-hmm. and I, so I don't want to steal this guy, but like this, it's the perfect thing. He's like, Hey, like we can laugh, you know, we, we let's celebrate like whatever. I'm not here, but I'm, I get it. I get what happens. I'm okay with it. And everyone should move on. And um, so like, I guess those would be my thoughts, but the funeral, it's uh, like, I would love to have like a little something like that. I think I would love to have like a video of me being 
uh, you know, not doing five minutes, but you know, like yeah, yeah, me and in, in fun spirits, like ah, fuck, did I die? Ah, I died, right? Ugh, you know, oh, that was if, if you're seeing this, I have passed away. So yeah, oh, okay, God, and like throw some money in the casket, like just do it, you know, like <laughs> I'm taking it with me. I always said, I, I always said you could take it with you. So yeah, um, <laughs> maybe you're very- guessing how you died. You're like, was it this? Right. Was it that? Was right, it, right, right. was it a pickup truck? Yeah. <laughs> Which is very morbid to think about this. I, I know we're audio, but this audio could be used and or video that we're talking on right now. Um, yeah. Well, you yeah. give me permission. I'll yeah. I'll find the speaker and I'll I'll plan it down for sure. Again. For sure, please do, or just let this be played <laughs> at it. Yeah, um, yeah, depending who goes first. But uh, yeah, I, I I guess I would wanna I want I would want it to be like um, catered for Barnaby's Pizza, my favorite pizza place in Northbrook, okay. Illinois. Um, and I would What's just so good about wa- Barnaby's. Oh, it's just I, it's what I grew up on the crust. Uh, it's uh, crispy What's tavern that? style cornbread okay. on the bottom. So. So good. Okay. All right. But, but I, I would want it to be more of a celebration and less of a, uh, morbid feeling I feel. And in saying that, like I've talked to Marty, uh, DeRosa and, and, and Dave, I'll be honest. I don't think it's you, but it might've even been you where when I first met Marty, uh, he was like, ah, someone died and they were like, you know, one of his friends, like, rented like one of the rooms we used to do comedy at. We're just going to kind of do like a comedy show slash funeral for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they were all just doing jokes and bits and it was really like a, a celebration. And uh, looking back at me, okay. It could I, have been, you. I, unfortunately, like with wrestling, I would imagine maybe not as much as wrestling. Well, you would have an idea of who is more death prone standups or wrestlers, but there's not, there's not, there's a plethora of, comedians to choose from mm. unfortunately you know who've died so that sounds more like a dan ronan thing. i was gonna say i know that name and i don't think it was dan ronan but okay. I, it was in that time frame or that time period, yeah so. yeah 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 um but I, I i i think that's very cool i love that i love that, that yeah. that's a thing a celebration and you know my friend uh brody who passed away was part of this company that i work for aew and luckily, you know, there's been a lot of de- wrestling deaths in WWE and you just kind of put up a graphic and you move on with it. Right. Sure. But this is a different company that I work for. And our our boss, Tony Khan, like made the show. It was called like a celebration of life, Brody Lee, which had never really been done before, like directly after a wrestler's death. And it was just like, you know, Brody Lee was a part of the group that I'm a part of. It's called the Dark Order. And so it was like all the dark order wrestlers were on and, you know, like they brought like all of like Brody's like ex part, like his ex partner and his, his child and wife. And it wasn't like this more, it was this just kind of like, it was such a feel good thing that everyone really needed that, uh, you know, I, I would want to like, I could see that happening. I would love something like that at my funeral. <laughs> would just you like want a, it to be a wrestling show or a comedy? No, show? just, just the idea of celebration of life. Okay. Did for Brody's show, did you like do any of his classic moves or bits or anything? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us like kind of like did his moves in tribute to him. Uh, I was just watching it. Um, 
one of the members, John, his name was John Silver, and Brody was this big, tall guy, six five, and John is like five five with like little muscles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Brody had bought him like a miniature version of his outfit <laughs> that they had never worn, and they were gonna like wear it sometime, kind of like kind of as a a gag. And so John had never worn this thing, so he wore that on this show. Wow, looking like like a mini Brody. It was so cute. Um. And obviously a tribute, to, you know, a tribute to him. So a lot of people, we, a lot of us did stuff for him, did his bits and did his moves. Uh, his, he had this bit called like, uh, he would throw, he would throw the papers at people. Like that was his thing. It, this okay. was all back, like a backstage skit we would have. Like throw someone's contract at them. Or yes. He would have, okay. he would always have papers and he would throw the papers. That was his known thing. So. There was a lot of throwing of papers at that okay. show. <laughs> yeah. But not confetti, like full eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Rolled up like uh, we That's were doing fun. some business and then, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a very satisfying, like physical motion to do, especially when there's like, you know, emotional moments. You're getting to like fling something in mm. within the tribute. That feels right. nice. <laughs> yeah. You could get some anger of. Like why the fuck this guy die out? You can right, throw, right. as, you throw as hard as you could. Right. It's like a stress ball almost. Yeah. Are there people you would definitely wrestlers or comedians or anyone who you would want at your sort of celebration of life tribute show? Uh, I think anyone who is wants to celebrate my life is welcome. Really? You wouldn't, you wouldn't put a block on certain, exes or enemies or childhood bullies or anything like that well would they want to i don't think they would want to celebrate my life i i have people that i wouldn't be interested in going to their funerals yeah for sure. <laughs> right yeah you want to, let's list them out right now yeah <laughs> um yeah totally but i mean i don't know I guess, I guess there's just this idea of people wanting to make things about them when someone dies that I both challenge, but I do think it's true a little bit. Um, mm. But I guess I guess what you're saying is right because everyone knows when someone's making it about them, and no, it it, it, it no one really like cares. Ultimately, ultimately, if someone's trying to make it about them, it's like that moment doesn't last forever, and everyone's like, okay, let them do their thing and move. We'll move on. It is, and this is, I guess, because this happens in wrestling. And then whenever a wrestler dies, you post your picture with that, like the mm -hmm. picture you have with them. Is that about right. you? See, I know. The hard I mean, one, th right? This is exactly that. What do you think? I, I think a little bit, but I, I, I've done it before, and I feel I'm justified in doing it because it's just like, oh, here. I don't know. Maybe it's me saying like, Hey, yeah, I did know this guy. And I want you to know that I did know this guy or a girl. And that's why I have the right to be sad. I don't know. <laughs> like, no. And I think it's also a, like if I'm at my most generous, I think it's people want to be a part of something. And so if it's a collective moment of grief, if people were rarely ever is a whole community in the same physical space at the same time. So mm. it happens online. And so that's the way of being at the church together or the house or wherever it is and being like, yeah, we're all sad together. Um, yeah. And, and ultimately, like, there was a comedian who would come to all the funerals 
sometimes just a we- I don't even remember who it was at this point, but just a weird guy who no one like booked that much and like wasn't that funny, but he would just always be at these events as if he was like networking. But it never worked for him. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's there's stories of uh like wrestlers going to a wrestler's funeral where higher ups are at and trying to talk shop. Right. That's there. Yeah, that I mean that's gross. And you're right. Like it that not only does it not work, it's detrimental to your career because now you're known as that person. Well, right. It would be kind of amazing for that person's funeral to become like a job fair of some sort, like their, their funeral has people literally setting up shop and is like, yeah. Hey, they did this. So we're turning this funeral into a networking opportunity. <laughs> That's very funny. Hey, it's Dave. I'm not talking to the guest right now. I just want to let you know, I intentionally construct these episodes to allow my guests to speak as much as possible. But if you enjoy the perspective of mine that does come through in this podcast, and you want to hear more from me, please subscribe to my weekly newsletter. It's called Hella Immaculate. There is a link in the show notes that you can click and sign up right away. You can also go to my website, thisisdavemar.com. What you'll get is every week an essay from me and basically a mood board of links, sometimes mutual aid fundraisers and music that I recommend. It's like we're in a conversation and hopefully I'm sharing cool stuff with you. I'm either your cool friend or your slightly anxious friend, probably both. Anyway, if you like hearing from me and you want to hear more, subscribe to Hello Immaculate. Thanks. And now back to the conversation. Okay. The next question is, is more of a a prompt kind of a premise um, from my last show, the feed wolf ice cream show. And the premise is in heaven, you get to fully or not even heaven. Wow. I've never said, I've never made that mistake calling the afterlife heaven, but in the afterlife, you get to fully relive one memory. It's not that the other, your other memories are wiped. It's just that one is kind of special and you get to drop down into it fully whenever you want, however many times you want, and then you can open the door. It's just a room that you can go in and out of whenever you want. If you had to choose one memory for that to be, what memory would you choose? Uh... Well, okay, so <laughs> I'll make it a bit. <laughs> well, they, you know, they, I, I don't do drugs. I've never okay. done drugs. They call it chasing the dragon, right? Mm-hmm. Right? When you want to chase that first high. Yeah, yeah. So I would almost say, like, the first time I busted a nut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's such a great memory. <laughs> is it really? Oh, the feeling? It was like, what is this? Oh, this is the greatest feeling ever. Yes. What? And I, I would walk- paint the pit. Where, where were you? What was the moment? In my basement, banging a silk sleeping bag. Okay. Because that's what made it work. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Watching my father's porno movies that we found. Okay. This is like VHS. Oh, yeah. Okay, that we found. Were you with other people? Yeah, when I said that, I was like, I regret saying that. Uh, I, <laughs> my, 
My brother and I found his porno tapes at a very young age, but I, we would not watch them together. Like maybe the first time we watched them together. And then I, my brother who was older was like, I should probably not be watching these with you. I was at the age at that point where I didn't understand why not. And then years later when I had full access to them, because we just knew where they were at all times, mm-hmm. uh, I would be alone. Sure. Did you ever, I mean, there's, there's, I remember weird moments of like, kids you know like together like kind of at the same sleepover or whatever yes. it's a I weird that was weird yeah it's not like an intentional circle jerk or something but everyone's watching the same scrambled softcore whatever and like oh no yeah. i had access to uh unscrambled full core hardcore yeah, full core yes. what was what was the um like, did you ever, did your dad ever find out? Yeah. He, he was well aware. My mom was well aware. They tried to rehide it, but we would go scavenger hunting. And, did they, they ever talk know. to you about it? Not really. <laughs> like they were like, you know, because it was, I don't know. It was probably a sense of shame by them. Right. That like they let their kids find it. Um, and whatever they're going to say, stop looking for it and stop finding it. It's like, we knew it was in the house somewhere. Like we had to just take apart the whole house and we would find it eventually always like he hasn't stopped this habit he hasn't quit he hasn't quit these these movies yeah we know we still see the playboys coming every month you know in the mail (laughs) right Right, we know know he's still into it um had you been masturbating before that moment and this was the the like oh this is what this is all about or was this your literal first time masturbating no, I, I had, I, I had tried it before and then it was, I was about to ejaculate and I like pinched it off cause I didn't know what was happening, you know, like, so I like yeah. stopped it at its cord, like got that crazy stomach ache. Um, oh God. Yeah. and then, and then I realized I was like, like people kept on saying, this is what happens when, when it happens. So I was like, I think it was that feeling, but I just have to like allow myself to allow it to happen. Who is people? Uh, kids on the bus and yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying that the the schoolyard or whatever yeah i weird my weird uncle <laughs> okay so how wait how old were you at this time uh, 13 something like that 13 okay yeah and and i know you i know you want like right like i uh if if i was a good person i'd tell you about loved ones and um the first time being in love and i didn't uh, i didn't say any of that <laughs> i didn't i didn't you're you're putting interpretive weight onto this that i didn't i I, simply asked you you said it was gonna be a bit i understood that yeah my first it it just went to that moment or like or just like eating so much that i'm so happy and full and joyful well right i was gonna say there is something about the like it's just so funny saying nutting to me is so funny but like the 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 first nutting moment is if I'm going to be pretentious about it, it's about sensory pleasures, right? So Mm -hmm. is there something to you about like the most relivable moments are sort of sensory pleasure moments for you versus um, emotional? Yeah. Or, or yeah. relational. Yeah, probably because, uh, and as you say that is because it's like, um, I'm like a real analytical person 
where like one of the things with therapy for me is like, I'm a little like, I want to know why, tell me exactly why I am the way I am. And and it seems to be more of like, let's just talk about it. Yeah. Right. So like, that's a little hard for me. So like, if you, if you're asking me about like sensations or, or, uh, or whatever to relive, I'm thinking about actual physical things as a, you know, as opposed to a feeling of love or a, or, or, or a feeling of love, I guess, would be the other. Because I would okay. Because I was thinking you were you were gonna say you prefer the physical things because that's when you're least in your head, which could be the answer too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll take it from here. I'll answer all the questions for you. Thank you. From here Thank on you. Out. I want to know what's your coma. So you know that I was in this coma for a month. It it changed things for me. I don't expect it to be that grandiose. It could be super mundane, but just some moment of transformation in your life where before you were one person and after you were another. Oh, okay. Well, if if we talk my business you know, which is my, the love of, you know, my, my obsession, professional wrestling, mm-hmm. whenever I talk about my career or my path, it's always, bef- it's always pre WWE and post WWE. Okay. So I don't, is, is that kind of what you mean? Sure. If it, if it feels right for you, but <laughs> des- describe that for me, give me, because People who are listening to you are going to know your story and your uh, history, but describe for, and it's been a while since I've like actively engaged with wrestling stuff, but yeah, describe I, for someone who's even less familiar yeah, what I was, that meant and how I've been like a, a 23 year wrestler. And like from the ages like 18 to 27, like I tried, I tried to be a wrestler and like the goal was to get to WWE. And then I got there at 27, 28, 29. And then I was fired and I was like, my life's over. I have to restart. And then I like tripled down on myself and just became like this, the DIY, you know, like the goal wasn't to try to get to this one place. The goal was just to like have eternal happiness at what I'm doing, be in the moment of what I'm doing, create, make, and don't do it to try to get to somewhere. Do it because you're doing it and doing that will allow you to live your life. And so I became this independent wrestler and I, I wasn't doing anything to try to get to a place. I was just doing it to do the thing that I loved. And when you were in WWE, was it what you had imagined it to be? Or was it panicky and like constantly having to sort of like looking over your shoulder well, it, it was, it was that, but I, from being within the industry for eight, nine years at that point, I was aware of what it was. Okay. And I, and when I was lower in the world, you know, when I was number bottom at the, at the totem pole, you know, I was like, I see what's happening, but I'm going to just slowly work my way up so I can be on the top of the totem pole and I would have a better life for myself. I would be a star. I would be a millionaire. I would be on TV. I would be beloved within my industry, so on and so forth. But some of the, and some of those things you are, 
now. You're definitely beloved in your industry now. Yeah, it, right. I did it for myself, but I, right. I, I, I didn't. While doing it for myself, it wasn't because I thought I was going to be able to do it. I thought those things were gone because I I couldn't do it on the CW network seven o'clock on a Friday anymore. You right. Know? Like, right. Well, and so we're like, so was it a surprise when you got fired? No, I think every wrestler assumes they're getting fired from that place. Even the yeah. top guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a job of paranoia. That place. Why? Cause that's the, it's been bred to be like that. Just, you know, everyone's replaceable. It is what it is. You know, like you could be, you could be gone tomorrow. It's not going to hurt the, it's not going to hurt Disneyland. You know, they'll be fine. Right. The WWE. Yeah, yeah. 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 So then when you did get fired and you had this sort of like moment of, oh my God, everything's gone. How long did that last? How did it manifest? Like, were you. Like, what did you feel was gone and what did you imagine your life was going to be before you really tripled down on yourself? Uh, well, I, before, you know, before that, I had just imagined I would be able to work my way up and live this large than life lifestyle of whatever, which not, I didn't even really want, but I thought that was what it got for you. Mm-hmm. So it's just when I was fired, there was just such an unknown. Like it was, it was, a, it was, an, and it was a realization of like it's not going to be great. Like it's not going to be what you know that that opportunity for greatness. Uh, with with not, you know not just like monetarily or whatever you know happiness whatever all of it that that's all gone. And um, I do remember the first thing I said to myself is like, well, maybe I should try to start a family. That was something I had said to myself right away. Okay. Um, Has that, have those things always felt opposed to you? Like having a super like intense career versus having a family? Yeah. I just figured I, I wouldn't be able to do it while traveling the world like that. Right. Or, or, or wouldn't be able to do it appropriately, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. And then again, I, I just assumed I wouldn't be having that kind of lifestyle anymore. And then maybe it was time for a change of some sort. And I think in my head, I was like, this will, this could be the change that I guess I, maybe I'm looking for, or I should be doing. Yeah. I mean, it did, did work have, out. <laughs> did you have a partner at that point? No, were you nothing, like, nothing. you were just like, now I'm going to go on a bunch of dates and find the person and start a family. Yeah, in my head, I would I would be able to do that. It, it turned out to be much harder right. to even find a partner. You know, like nonetheless, you know, have the money to start a family or whatever. Or, you know, all that other, all those other things. But yeah, that's its own uh, thing that people spend their entire lives chasing and trying to set up right. for themselves. Did you ever consider not wrestling anymore? Uh, no, I, I I I thought I would just kind of like do it like um like a, like a, a dad does softball, you know, uh, a softball mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, I'll always wrestle, but you know, I, like I put my resume on monster.com. I was like, I guess I should get a real, I guess I have to go into the real life or something. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah. What did you at all? I put up my resume on monster and then I just started like, I continued to take the wrestling dates 
Um, and then just stuff started slowly moving back in the direction of my way to where I realized I'll be fine and I should probably just continue doing what I'm doing. So was there a conscious decision to be like, okay, now I'm, was there a moment of the triple down where you're like, I read this book, I watched this video, I saw this cat poster, whatever it is that was like inspired you and you're like, and gave you a vision for how you could. Yeah, it, it, it was the movement of like the alternative comedian scene. So it was like, and I would guess I would say LA and a little New York, which makes me sad for Chicago, but um, like podcasting, the comedy podcasting kind of started like this was 2009, 2010. Like, mm -hmm. so I just saw how all of these comedians who weren't famous movie stars were like grabbing my attention and making me want to like support them. And like, I was becoming a fan of them and, I, and they weren't on anything bigger or larger than life. They were just doing the local shows the way I was doing the local wrestling shows. But I, I was like, to me, they're stars. So if I'm doing local wrestling shows, I'm a star to somebody. Yeah. And I saw the power of that. And that's when I started like doing all the things they were doing to grab the wrestling fans, the way they had grabbed me as a comedy fan. And what were those things that you did? Like, what were the active, okay, you've gotten inspired. Now, what are the like specific step, those first steps you took? Uh, podcasts. Uh, you know, I, I had, I have a, my art of wrestling has been going since 2010. Right. A weekly podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, merchandise, most importantly, podcasting, YouTube, uh, documentaries, um, uh, shows, uh, lo local and live shows, being on as many shows as humanly possible, getting out to as many different scenes as humanly possible, being um, in front of as many people as humanly possible, opening up my horizons, not just doing wrestling shows, trying to do uh, integration of wrestling and comedy, uh, you know, wrestling and music, wrestling and everything. Um, just trying to get myself in as many circles that I felt comfortable in and, you and know, making new fans. Did you know how to monetize those things? Were you like, because now I think of it, I think of it with like podcasts or something. It's like, oh man, I'm hearing this person from however far away doing this thing that's so inspiring, but they might be working a full-time job or a temp job. And if my goal is to not do that, I may be inspired. I may be getting inspired just artistically instead of business-wise. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I was at a high level. If okay. that makes sense. R relax, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, so the, the ability to make them, uh, I had, I had a bit of a name for myself. I would, right. even if, if the things that I was doing, wasn't making money, I was, I was making some money at wrestling. And before WWE, I had been, I had taught myself how to live off of $12,000 a year anyways. Right. You know, like right, that, right. that was a great living 12 grand, you know? So, um, so, you know, it, it, if I could do something and, and by monetizing, I could make an extra two grand uh, to, to Johnny numbers out in San Francisco. That was pathetic to me. 
I was changing the game. Right, 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 right. And I imagine, so you start your podcast, you know, not to be too businessy about it, because obviously being just artistically inspired, if that's the worst thing in the world, that's like incredible. But it, it, you know, there's the idea of like, you know, your big thing that puts you out in front of people being the loss leader, so to speak, where you, it might not make you money, but it's it, it, people are hearing it so much. But I imagine working, being at that high level already, people might already have started contacting you and being like, hey, you're doing this thing. Can we advertise on this thing? Was it like that? Or did you still have to like yeah, carve it, out those avenues? No, it, 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 yeah, it makes you money indirectly. Like even at first, right. first three years, I didn't even know you could put ads on a podcast. And then, you know, I, you know, I, the sort, you know, I started getting ads because I, I did, I was, I, because of the podcast, I started breaking out and all of a sudden I was, I did the Sklar brothers podcast in LA when I was in LA. And then yeah. uh, the guy who owned Earwolf was like, Hey, uh, all of your fans like replied to the Sklar brothers podcast that you did. We were like, who the fuck is this guy? And then we see you have a podcast and he, and I'm, he was like, do you want advertising? And I was like, well, I don't want to do like dildo stuff. And he, and he was just like, here's what you would get in numbers. And I was like, holy shit why haven't i been ever like you're like I all it was, your dildo stuff yes yes I, <laughs> I thought it was like 25 bucks an episode you know i didn't realize like and then advertise it became that kind of became life-changing a little bit but like luckily i was doing it for the right reasons before you know i'd done it three years before for like just the reasons because it was the best and i love doing it i love the medium and now all of a sudden like it just gets like at, you know all of the money my whole career all the money has been like an extra i love you know like I'm doing what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing. So it's so cool that I get paid for it. Have you had people take advantage of you because they know you love the shit so much? Have they been like, he's cool on 12 grand. We know we can lowball him a little bit. Oh, yeah, probably. But also, yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, just like comedians, wrestlers don't know their worth. Sure. The This, is, this makes sense to me as a coma of sorts and and it and it i mean certainly i'm fascinated by it as someone like on the 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 precipice of that edge uh if if the you know hopefully right before the the thing becomes the full-time thing right but yeah you, you yeah it's i mean you tell me what's a before and after that's my big before and after yeah for my life trajectory did it change you your personality i hope not but probably (laughs) like because you said those the wwe dream wasn't actually like that lifestyle wasn't something you actually wanted did you real i mean you must have it must have taken this experience to make you realize it wasn't something you wanted i mean i don't know i didn't get to live the fullest of that lifestyle Maybe right. it was something I wanted. Okay. But I, I'm saying I, I knew I wasn't able to grab it anymore because they weren't going to like bring me back in, in the next, you know, they just fired me. It's not like they're going to bring me back next week. Like I'm done, you know, like maybe for the next right. three or four years, I'm done. Like I could maybe go reinvent myself and come back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was like, I got th- four years to re, you know, like I, I have, I have to do something within that time at least. Did you ever feel like you were 
lying to yourself or did anyone ever tell you like, Oh yeah, this is, Oh, this is what you really want to be the DIY guy. You're, is it like it for where it felt like sour grapes or something like that? Maybe. Yeah. There's probably a percentage of me that would like, would have ran back to it or whatever. I, I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's hard. I, I'm not going to lie and say absolutely not though. How did you keep yourself going or stay confident in those moments when you're like, Oh my God, am I just like, this is the only option for me. So I'm pretending this is the thing I want. No, How be- do you stay well, because the option was good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was what I wanted. I was, I was, I, I was, the thing with me is I'm, I, and I'll always tell other, like my friends is like, live in it. You got to live in it. And I'll always tell myself to be like, this is great. Like what we're doing is great. You know? And there's so many, I've done so many tours where I'm like, if you take this for granted, you'll be the guy being like, remember when we used to, it's just like, you have right. to know how awesome it is to be in Japan, to just fake wrestle people, to get paid so well, to see a country, to be surrounded. You know, there's so many people just in offices that just hate their life so much. And, you know, like, even if you're not making a 401k, you're just like, you're living, you're living those experiences. And I always make sure to keep myself in check. It's, I don't know, you know, whatever, it's a good or bad trait. Like that's something about me is that I, you know, I'm a, I'm a realist, I think. And so I always try to make sure to like keep myself in check uh, with what I'm doing and, and where I'm at. Well, and I think that comes out like, you know, we met around right before I was going to Edinburgh for the first time. And that's, that's where we've like interacted the most. And you seeing you get around Edinburgh and like seeing the, the few times I do see you in that month, it's, you're always, first of all, I think one of the few people who's on a bike, which I, which I love. And you are going to so many shows. And I feel like that could, that could be seen as like, Oh man, this guy's just going, going, going. But it's like, no, he's like so stoked to be here. He yeah. can't, he needs to soak up every, and he's a comedy fan. Like he's got to see as much shit as he possibly can. I feel like I even wanted to go to like, the, I would tell you about like circus shows or weird art shows. And you're like, I can't got to, got to go to the, all the comedy shows. <laughs> <laughs> like, does it have funny in it? Yeah. If it doesn't, <laughs> if it has a piece of funny, I'll be there. But yeah, otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that comes out that like sort of carpe diem sort of approach that you have. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, it, I, I think it was nurtured in me a lot in those years, in those post coma years for me, Yeah, you know, while in it is just to like realize I've done, like, I thought that was what I wanted was that dream. I've realized that I can, this can be, you know, this can be the life that I want. And, uh, and by doing it every single week, literally like being in a different place every week, being in a different country every week, you know, I, it, it was brought to, you know, like whether it's actually brought to my attention or subliminally brought to my attention, you know, I, I, I kind of taught myself or made sure to remind myself to, to live in it. Yeah, for sure. And did any of that come from not living in it when you were doing WWE? I think it just came from being grateful and just like knowing, 
you know, uh, even though my dad loved his job, just like knowing that, you know, he just worked like he was, he worked and my mom, like my mom hated her job. She was a teacher, uh, you know, but you know, she went to work every single day, came home every single day, was always tired, would bitch about the kids. Like, you know, it's just like, uh, I just, and growing up, we just have this idea of like a nine to five. That's what you do. Yeah. And, and like, for me, speaking of hell, like, you know, like that would be, like that would be like the personal hell is just like, and so by living this life as a wrestler, I feel like I've always like, as long as I don't have to do that or like while wrestling, I'm escaping that hell that I would be in of sitting at a fucking office, hating my life. And so I've always been so appreciative of the, the, the now, you know, whether it was 2003 or 2015 or whatever, or now, now, you know, in that instance, the now, because now I am doing the thing that I dreamed of doing and I'm getting paid and I just don't have to do the other thing. I don't have to be in an office. So, um, yeah. So like there, there I'm all, I am future looking, you know, like I'm trying to set myself for success, but I'm always just so happy that in this moment, I don't have to be in a cubicle. that's the show thank you truly so much for listening thank you to colt for being on the show if you enjoyed what you just heard hit subscribe or follow review the show and go to the patreon for more patreon.com slash dave mar all the information is in the show notes and until next week remember you are a mist impossible you can do miracles Miracles, you can do them. Have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.